Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Coming up. Eventually, she began seeing someone else and became pregnant with that person's child. Jake grew to be upset with Hannah over the fact that Hannah was exposing Sophia to people that he believed were not, that she should not be around. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. And I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. A convicted murderer is set to testify in the upcoming death penalty trial of his brother in one of the worst murder cases in Ohio history. This was cold, cold, cold blood. I mean, this was calculated, planned out. And now that they have... And it just, you know, I mean, it, it, it just chills you to think about... And in Tennessee, mysterious letters have been turning up at churches and businesses around Campbell County. Has Campbell County ever experienced something like this before? Not since I've been sheriff or, or in law enforcement. I've, I've been in law enforcement since 1990. I've never seen or heard anything like this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The sheriff of Campbell County, Tennessee, says in his decades-long career, he hasn't seen anything like what's been going on there over the past week. Reed, introduce us to this story. Yeah, well, it's it's a bizarre story. Last Thursday, pastors in the community started reporting to police that there was something strange going on. They'd found letters left at their churches, and whatever it was that the letters said was concerning enough that they brought them to the police. And Reed, how many letters have been reported in total, and where do they show up? So most of what we know about these letters came from a press conference held by the Campbell County Sheriff on Monday. We called this a conference. We wanted to talk to the people of Campbell County and uh, let them know about some things that that we had been made aware of since Thursday of last week. Uh, we have had some letters that had been dropped at uh, some churches in Campbell County, and today we've learned that they had, there's a business and I think a Masonic Lodge in Campbell County also that had found these letters. And what the sheriff revealed is that so far there have been a total of seven letters all found across the community of Campbell County, Tennessee, which is about an hour north of Knoxville. Five of those letters have shown up at churches. One showed up at a business in the small city of Jellicoe, Tennessee. And then the other was found at a Masonic Lodge in the county. So they weren't all found at churches, but five of them were, and all five of those were found specifically at Baptist churches. And they were just found by the sound of it, tucked into the doors of these churches and buildings. Police have been using words like strange and disturbing to describe these letters. What have they revealed about the actual content of the letters, if anything? Well, that's part of what's so 
intriguing and bizarre and, and frustrating about all of this is that uh, you're right, police have called the letters strange and disturbing, but they aren't revealing yet what exactly makes these letters strange, what exactly makes them disturbing. They're not really saying anything about the content of the letters at all, what they actually say in the letters. Now, they did address some rumors that have been floating around. The sheriff said that there was a rumor spreading about a possible planned shooting related to the letters, but he clarified that that is not true and that the letters don't, according to him, contain any specific threats. Uh, we want to stress there has not been any specific threats uh, once we've looked at the, the letters. Um, we've heard, the sheriff's department has heard that maybe that someone had said that there were possible shooting and things like that. That's not true. But then the question is, if there aren't any threats, what about these letters was concerning enough for these pastors and business owners to go to the police? Again, the sheriff said that he couldn't share details about what was written in the letters. He said he couldn't even share a theme, but he did say they were, quote, coherent. He also said that they were typed up, not handwritten, and they were multiple pages long. But he also said that they're not all the same. So it's not like someone printed out a bunch of copies of the same letter and was just leaving them all over the place. Something else the sheriff said is that he believes there could be more letters out there. And he had some specific instructions for anyone in Campbell County or in any of the surrounding areas who comes across one of these letters. What we're asking is the people uh, in Campbell County and surrounding areas, if, uh, if these letters are found, you can actually call your sheriff's department, local police department, or the, uh, the FBI office in Knoxville. If it's in Campbell County, uh, contact the sheriff's department. We want to know about these letters if you find any. Um, we've not heard any more within the last two hours. We had some this morning. Um, but we want to know. Uh, there might be some that, that are still out there. Um, also, we would rather, if you find these letters, uh, not to touch them, if all possible. Um, if you want us to come, we would rather you call us and we would come out and photograph them. If, if, if that's not the case, we'd, we ask, would you photograph them and then contact us? But we would rather just you call 911 and we'll come to you. Um, but we wanted to let people know in Campbell County that we we're aware of the situation and that we are working on it. At the end of the press conference, reporters had a chance to ask some questions. And one of the reporters did ask, if there's no threat in the letters, what is the biggest concern? And the sheriff, again, said he couldn't comment on that. And he kind of reiterated that in saying that there was no threat, that he was saying that the letters didn't give a time or any specific threat. But clearly there is concern. We just don't know where that concern comes from. Before the press conference ended, the sheriff did say that he felt the community was safe, but he also said that he didn't want to take any chances. Reed, what are investigators doing now to try to figure out the source of these letters? The sheriff said they've already stepped up patrols in the areas where the letters were found. He also said because they're a small county that they've reached out to Tennessee Highway Patrol and to the FBI for some help. And there is one potentially promising lead he mentioned that one of the churches had security cameras, and he said they'd be examining that footage. Beyond that, beyond that footage, the sheriff just said he wanted other churches and businesses in the area to be on high alert for anything out of the ordinary. That's another thing I would like to ask. Ask churches to look anything that's odd, any, any odd vehicles that just pop up in the parking lot and go. Uh, would they contact us? Let us know. Anything. We will take any 
anything you give us, we'll process it and, and look into it. Uh, but if your church has a surveillance, your business, and you see something odd on there, let us know. We'll come look at it. We want, we want you to contact us. One of four family members charged in the killings of the Roden family in Ohio is scheduled to go on trial this August. Will, this is a case that some of our listeners will no doubt be familiar with. But before you share some of the new developments here, remind us what happened back in 2016. Yeah, and if you're from Ohio, you'll certainly be familiar with this case if you were living in the state back in 2016. This happened in Piketon, Ohio, in southern in a southern part of the state in April of 2016. And if you've seen images of the crime scene from a, a chopper from overhead, you, you'll see these four homes. It's just this this swath of property where eight people were shot to death while sleeping. Most of the victims were repeatedly shot in the head. Three young children at the scene were left unharmed. At the time, the governor called it the worst murder case in Ohio history. And it became one of the most extensive murder investigations also in Ohio history. The victims were all members of the Roden family. It was a couple and their three children, ages 19, 16, and 20, the 20-year-old fiancé of one of their sons, and then the 44-year-old brother of the father of the family and a 38-year-old cousin. So just this horrific scene. Obviously, this massive investigation kicked in. And the following year, in 2017, four members of the same family were named persons of interest. The family was the Wagner family, George Wagner IV and his brother Edward or Jake Wagner and their parents, George Billy Wagner III and Angela Wagner. The following year, in 2018, following more investigation, more evidence gathered, all four members of that family that I just named were arrested and charged in connection with the murders of the Rodin family. Prosecutors say members of the Wagner family snuck into the homes and killed the eight members of the family while they were sleeping. And when they finally got around to releasing what they believed to be the motive, it appeared to be a custody dispute between one of the sons, Jake Wagner, and then one of the Roden family members, Hannah Roden. And it had to do with a child that they shared. Jake Wagner and Hannah Roden had had a child. And as prosecutors painted it, the Wagners had an obsession with getting custody of Jake's daughter. And one of those, one of those children unharmed at the scene of the crime was in fact Jake Wagner's daughter. Now, prosecutors have said these murders were planned out well in advance. Can you tell us about some of the evidence that exists in this case? Yes, and there appears to be a lot. Prosecutors say the suspects in the case actually hacked two of the Roden family Facebook accounts to monitor their messages, their conversations. They even set up surveillance cameras, according to prosecutors, to monitor their movements. And then there were also items purchased before the murders and receipts recovered from those sales that helped investigators. Here's more from partner station WBNS in Ohio about the evidence in the case. Special prosecutor says screenshots on a Wagner family laptop were key to the case. It showed the growing tension between Jake Wagner and Hannah Roden over their then two-year-old daughter. Jake and Hannah began dating when Hannah was very young. Eventually, she began seeing someone else and became pregnant with that person's child. Jake grew to be upset with Hannah over the fact that Hannah was exposing Sophia to people that he believed were not 
that she should not be around. Then came the custody dispute. This message sent by Hannah, the special prosecutor says, was found when the family hacked two accounts. And told that person that she would, quote, never sign papers ever. They will have to come in first. Two months later, investigators say evidence shows the Wagners started to prepare, buying items and making up documents. Jake, George, and Angela Wagner had executed custody documents that designated Jake and Hannah's daughter would go to Jake if Hannah were to die. Investigators determined signatures on that document, including Hannah's, were forged. In addition, the special prosecutor says they found burned remains of a failed silencer on the Wagner's property and that Jake Wagner led them to other evidence that they never found. Specifically, the weapons that were used in these offenses, along with vehicles that were used during these offenses, including one that was bought specifically to use the night of the homicides only. Based on much of that evidence and the investigation, prosecutors say the Wagners used guns with two homemade silencers, allowing them to kill their victims as they slept. Last year then, Jake Wagner pleaded guilty to murder. What can you tell us about how exactly that plea deal came about? So this was back in April of 2021. So last year when Jake Wagner, 28 years old at the time, says he decided to make that plea deal because he felt sorry for the Roden family. So it was on the four-year anniversary of the murders that he pleaded guilty. Again, here's reporting from WBNS on that plea. 28-year-old Jake Wagner will die in prison for the crime of killing eight members of the Roden family using what the judge said was a firearm equipped with a silencer. In exchange for his guilty plea, the prosecutor says Wagner agreed to testify against the rest of his family. Doing so avoided him from receiving the death penalty. Prosecutors say they were able to tie Wagner to the crimes based on purchases before the murders. Investigators also found receipts and video evidence of the Wagners making purchases of shoes during the same month of the homicides that matched identically the shoe tread marks left in blood at one of the scenes. Jake Wagner admitted he was personally responsible for five of the deaths, and he gave prosecutors a full account of what happened that morning. Angela Wagner, his mother, who prosecutors say helped to plan the killings, along with the other family members, and knew about them, but did not participate, also pleaded guilty to lesser charges in September of last year. And as part of her agreement to testify against her family, the now 51-year-old will spend 30 years in prison. And that brings us up to the present when just this week, a judge ruled that Jake Wagner will be able to testify against his brother in his brother's upcoming death penalty trial. Right. It's all part of that plea deal. It's what we expected but John Parker, a lawyer representing George Wagner, argued that his brother Jake isn't really in a position to testify truthfully because he faces the death penalty if he doesn't strictly obey the terms of his plea deal. So Parker said, quote, our right to confrontation is more or less meaningless because he's got a script he has to follow, end quote. Special prosecutor Andrew Wilson argued there's nothing unusual about a plea deal like that and added that his testimony will be bolstered by other evidence. Ultimately, the judge denied Parker's request to keep Jake Wagner and his mother from testifying, so they will be able to do so at trial. George Wagner's trial is set to begin later this year in August. All right. Thank you, Will. And our reporting this week comes from our partner stations, WBNS in Columbus, Ohio, and WBIR in Knoxville, Tennessee. And thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We are here five days a week, Monday through Friday, with a new case. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson, along with Reed Redmond.
You know that science solves crimes. Forensic science is exciting, challenging, and most of all, rewarding work. But there is a shortage of qualified individuals in this field. Hi, I'm Terry with Loyola University, Maryland's Forensic Science Department. Loyola is one of the only colleges in the country offering advanced degrees in forensic pattern analysis and biological forensics. Our courses, taught by forensic experts, feature hands-on training and small class sizes. They are based on real crime scene and forensic examiner training programs to ensure you are ready to make a difference. Our programs are open to students from a variety of academic backgrounds because we believe everyone can contribute to solving crimes. So what are you waiting for? Discover the excitement of forensic science at Loyola University, Maryland. Visit loyola.edu forward slash forensic for more information. That's loyola.edu forward slash forensic because you are ready to make a difference. Join one of Loyola University, Maryland's forensic science programs today.